Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. So let me just jump right in and start reading here in 2 Kings 4.9. And this passage is talking about a prophet named Elisha. Let me give you just a little background. Uh, Elisha is uh, probably one of the prophets that perhaps more, I think he did, he performed the more, more miracles than any other prophet. In fact, the prophet that preceded him, Elijah, was his mentor. And when God came and took Elijah to heaven, Elijah prayed for a double portion, and got, a portion of anointing and God poured it out on him. And he did. He literally did uh, double the uh, miracles that was done by Elijah. And he did, again, more miracles than any other prophet that we see. So he was the mouthpiece, the spokesperson for God on the planet. Now, the great thing about you and I in the time we live in, that we can hear for God for our, from God for ourselves, amen? God lives and abides inside of us because of the person and power of the Holy Spirit. But back in the Old Testament days, before Jesus went to the cross, came back and then went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit in this place, God had the prophet, the man of God on the planet, would speak to kings and he would be the mouthpiece. And he represented the presence and person and voice and power of God. So Elisha is in this moment when he comes across this lady, and a Shunammite lady, and we pick up the story in 2 Kings 4, 9, and here's what she says, and she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man, speaking of Elisha, a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. I know this is a holy, how does she know? Because of what she's seen and because of what she heard, but look what she says, the man of God passes by us regularly. The King James Version, this is the New King James Version. The King James Version says, passes by us continually. So Elisha the prophet, uh, really the the voice of God, the power of God, the presence of God on the planet, as she's saying, is noticing that the voice, power, and presence of God as passing by us regularly or continually, depending on your translation. And so she says to her husband, I noticed this, there's something about him, we've seen something, and basically what she's saying is, I don't want the power and presence of God just passing me by. She looks at her husband and she goes, we need to build a home. We need to build a place for this man. Because we don't want just the power and presence of God passing us by. We want him to dwell with us. We want him to be with us. And so she speaks to her husband. We'll come back to that in a minute. So he's passing passing by. And so she says, let's build a room so he can dwell there. I want the presence and power of God in my house, in my life. I want the miracles of God in my house, in my life. I want to make room for the miraculous. I want to make room for the power and presence of God. And so regularly or continually, Elisha is going by. Now understand, just because he was passing by does not mean it benefited them. Just because the presence and power of God was passing by does not mean it benefited them. Just like It does not mean that you're going to receive what God has just because you come to church. Just because you know him. You got to connect with him. You got to create space for him. You've got to build a room, if you will, in you where he can come and live and dwell. Because just because he's passing by does not mean that it's going to benefit you. You need to connect with him. They needed to make a room. And the Bible says that when they added a room... And they put a bed, they put a chair, put a table, put a lamp in there, that he turned in and stayed there. Now take a look at 2 Kings 4.11, it's what it says. And it happened one day that there came that he turned in to the upper room and lay down there. They made space for him and he came to dwell. Take a look at Luke 18 for me. This is all in your live notes, you can go there too. Luke 18, see if you see a pattern happening here. Verse 37, and this is when um, 
the blind Bartimaeus is there and Jesus is coming and passing by and there's a great crowd with them. So they told him, the people around Bartimaeus, they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was what? Passing by. Jesus was passing by him. Now turn over to Luke 19.1 for me. And this is when uh, Jesus is entering Jericho and he'll connect with a man named Zacchaeus in just a minute, we'll see that. But he says this in verse one, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. All right, passed through Jericho. Now turn to Mark 6.48 for me. Here's what he says, see if you see the pattern. His disciples are out on the lake. There's a huge storm, wind and waves. They're struggling to row and move anywhere. Water's coming in the boat. They're, they're very fearful they're gonna drown and die. And it says this, that when he saw, Jesus saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. And it goes on to say this, now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, he saw them, he came to them walking on the sea and look what it says, this just blows my mind, and would have passed them by. Like he wasn't necessarily going out there to rescue him, them, he saw them, but it says he would have just passed them on by. It's interesting to me. So what we just read, these three passages in the Second Kings, he's passing by, he's passing through, he would have passed them by, and Second Kings says he's, he's passing by continually or on a regular basis. And I want you to know this this morning, it's not enough to know the Spirit of God is here today, and he is. Where two or three are gathered, here he is in our midst. But according to these scriptures, it's possible for God to pass by and it not benefit us if we don't make room for his presence and his power. It's possible. I mean, we know people that come to church their whole life, but their life's never changed. They're not walking in the things that God has. Come on, we know Christians and stuff, we don't want that life. Because they're not walking in the things that God has. So it is possible for God to pass by and not benefit us if we don't make room for his presence, his power, and his voice. And the Bible says that God is moving all the time. He's on the move. In fact, even in the, the, the creation story in Genesis, it begins in, in chapter 1, Genesis 1-2, it says, you can go back and read it, it says that the Holy Spirit was hovering or moving over the face of the earth. And then when you look in the scripture, it talks about the Holy Spirit being likened to a river, the anointing, the river. Rivers are moving things. It isn't likened to a lake or a pond or a puddle <laughs> or a reservoir. It's a river moving, on the move, that the Holy Spirit is moving, and basically says that God is always moving, and with him is power and provision and promises that are passing by, and you and I are supposed to connect with them. And so when we come to a service like this, what we get out of it is what we're reaching out for, what we're connecting to. And so the question is not whether he's here, the question is, will it do you any good? And it only will if you connect with him. And you and I have the power to stop his passing by and make him stand still. And let me say this, and I want you to hear this this morning. Need does not obligate God to do a miracle. Need does not obligate God to do a miracle. If that was the case, there would be no needs. God has enough power. He's able, he'd able to meet all of them at one time. There would be no more needs, but need does not obligate God to do a miracle. So you cannot think just because you're in such a desperate situation or things are so bad, God's going to have pity or he must have pity on me or somebody told you that. Listen, you got to connect with him. He's moving all the time and we do not want him just to pass us by. We can't sit still, stand still and watch God pass us by miss his provision, his power and his promise. And so what makes him stop? What makes him not pass by? And, And I believe things like we'll see in just a moment, like crying out to him making room to him. And I don't know if you agree with that or not or what I just said or the theology of it. But when you look at these scriptures, passing by, passing through, would have passed by, 
They called out to him, and Jesus changed what he was doing and where he was going because somebody wasn't going to let him just pass by. So what makes him stop? Is our surrender? Our honesty? It's getting real with God. It's our faith. It's doing more than just playing church, doing more than just going to church, doing more than just watching. So you can be in a crowded room full of people, and Jesus will stop just for you. If you make room and call out to him. And that's why we worship. And that's why we praise. And that's why we call on the name of Jesus. We don't just sing songs. Don't come to just sing songs. Call out to him. Call on who he is. And that's why we shout. And that's why we clap. And that's why we raise our hands. And that's why we dance. And that's why we jump. And some people think that's strange. And some people think that's weird. And maybe a bit much. But listen. It just may be that somebody called out to God and he stopped. And they're excited. Or it just may be that they're desperate for him to stop. And so their shout brings God's attention. So he's not passing them by. So sometimes we're desperate to find him and stop him from passing by. The Bible says, call unto me and I will answer thee. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Luke 19, 1. Jesus was passing through uh, Jericho. He's passing through Jericho and he came upon a, upon a man named Zacchaeus. And there he met with Zacchaeus as he was passing through. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And in this story, Zacchaeus in the Bible was the Bible said, come on, I, I can't even say the word Zacchaeus without thinking of that little song or that little rhyme in children's church, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. And he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see, and that's all you're going to get from me. I just I can't anymore. <laughs> all right. So Zacchaeus, small, but he was desperate to see Jesus, and Jesus is passing through Jericho, and crowds are falling, and he has not the ability to push through the crowd to get to see Jesus, but he was so desperate, and he would not be deterred from it, and so he's looking for a way not to let Jesus just pass him by without seeing him. So all of a sudden, he sees a tree, and so he climbs up in the tree. And I love that picture because what Zacchaeus did in the midst of the crowd and the midst of the noise, he separated himself. He made room by getting up in the tree to be able to see Jesus. But listen, what's powerful about that is not only was he then able to see Jesus, but then Jesus was able to see Zacchaeus. Because otherwise Zacchaeus was another face in the crowd, perhaps somebody he wouldn't even have seen or heard. But all of a sudden Zacchaeus said, I'm not going to let him just pass by without seeing me. I want to see him. And so he pressed through and he got in the tree. He was not content just to let Jesus pass him by. So he sought out the tree. The tree caused him to be, to see Jesus, but also caused Jesus to see him. So when Zacchaeus got in the tree, he had room to see and room to be seen. The tree made room for him. The ability to rise above the crowd, rise above the noise. Not blend in or be hidden by anybody else or anything else, but to be able to stand out from the crowd. And when you make room... And when you get in the tree, Jesus sees you. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I see you. Come down from there because I'm going to your home today. All because Zacchaeus wasn't content to let Jesus just walk by. So when Jesus went and got in the tree, not only saw Jesus, Jesus saw him. And can I just say, because listen to what I'm going to do right here for a second. When you come to the tree... Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, see what I did right there? See what I did? <laughs> We've created a room for you to connect with God. 
We've created an opportunity for you to get out from the crowd. We've created an opportunity for you to get out from the noise. And to come and find a place not only where you can see Jesus, but Jesus can see you. He says, I see you here. I see that you've come out from all that. I see that you're here. So I'm just saying that the Bible says when you get in the tree, Jesus will go home with you. He's not just going to connect with you. He's going to go home with you. He could have just passed by, but when Zacchaeus got in the tree, Jesus said, I'm not going to just pass by. I'm going to go to your house and bless your whole family. I'm going to change your future. Let me say it like this. It's not always easy to come to church. It's not always convenient to come to church. I wanted to stay in bed this morning. It rarely happens on a Sunday, but it did this one. I wanted to stay in bed. Listen, I know you don't got to get dressed. What am I going to wear? When I get the kids up, get them fed. Then I got to drive over there. Then where are we going to park? And then we got to find a seat in the place. I know it's child dedication. It's going to take longer. All this, all this stuff. I hear you. But listen, you got to get where you can see Jesus and make room for him. Make room for him. I know. I know what that's like. But we've made a room where the power and presence of God can meet with us. We've grown a tree, if you will, for you to climb up in and get out of the world and get above the crowd and the noise and away from distractions so you can make room in your heart. You can make room in your family. You can make room in your marriage. You can make room in your life so you can cry out to him in praise and worship. You can call out to him with a a shout or with a jump or a dance. You can cry. So not only can you see him, but he can see you. And when you get in the tree, he's not just going to meet with you here. He's going to go home with you and bless your whole family. See, if you can make room for him, if you can get to that end of that tree and cry out to him, you'll see him and he'll see you and he'll go home with you this morning. I believe he'll go home with you today. You know what that means? He will go home with you. And if he will go home with you, depression can't ride in the same car with them. If he's going home with you, sickness can't go home with you. If he's going home with you, addiction can't go home with you. If he's going home with you, brokenness can't go home with you. Because they can't stand in the presence of God. But if you'll make a space, make a place to meet with him, he'll meet with you and he will go home with you. Fear and worry can't go home with you when Jesus goes home with you. So if you'll make room, cry out to him, he won't pass you by, he'll go home with you. Luke 18, 37. Blind Bartimaeus, and so there's a crowd passing by. He can't see what's happening. He doesn't know what's going on. And so they told him, good church people, <laughs> followers of Jesus, told him that he was passing by. That's good. But listen to what they do in here in a second. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was passing by him. He was told he was just passing by. And he cries out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And then church people came to him and told him, be quiet. Why are you making all that noise? He's got things going on. He's got things to do. And Zacchaeus should have said this, because I don't want him to pass by me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. In fact, and in fact, when church people told him to be quiet, he got all the more louder. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I need the mercy of the son of David in my life. And I'm going to make room and I'm going to cry out no matter what anybody else thinks. I love that about Bartimaeus. He got a miracle. Let me say it this way. Hey, listen. He got a miracle for crying out loud. All right. Okay. Let's move on. All right. I was going to milk that a little more, but we'll move on. Okay. Okay. One more. You can get a miracle for crying out loud. Let's read it. Thank you. Thank you. That was a blessing. And then, then those who went before him warned him. 
that he should be quiet, but he cried out, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Hey, don't judge my praise. Don't judge my shout. Don't minimize my dance or my jump. Don't, don't do that. Because sometimes you feel a shout rising up in your soul. Because you've been through hell all week. And you just need to raise your hands in church and shout for a moment. You may be one hallelujah away from your miracle. Come on, somebody. Come on. He was. He was. He wasn't content to just let Jesus pass him by. And so a shout made Jesus stand still and turn to him brought his miracle. You may be just one hallelujah away from your miracle. And he cried out for mercy. Thank God for a tree. Thank God for mercy. Jesus heard the cry for mercy and came to him. Jesus saw him make room in the tree and came to him. When he's passing by, I can get in that place of faith and cry out or climb out and Jesus won't pass by me. See, all I know, that's all I know. All I know is that Jesus was going somewhere else and he was stopped by someone who cried out to him. Disciples got in a boat. Storm came. Winds blew. Couldn't go anywhere. Straining at the oars. Waves are coming over and the boat's getting filled with water. They're afraid they're going to die. Mark 6, 47 through 40, 51 says this. Now when the evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. Listen, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining while they're in the middle of the sea, and he's on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He saw them struggling. He saw them toiling from the land. He walked out on the water. He didn't go out on the water to rescue them because it says, and he would have, can go back, and he would have passed them by. And goes on to say this in 49. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out. They cried out to him, for they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked to them. He stopped, because it says he would have passed him by, them by. Hey, listen, even if they were going down, well, why would Jesus do that? He saw them struggling. Surely he was going to rescue them. It says he would have passed them by, but they cried out, and then he stopped and turned towards them. Now, that may have been a bad plan, because the reality is, if that boat went down, he just lost his whole team. He'd have to start all over. Maybe he, maybe he was okay to start all over again. I don't know. Hey, take him. But listen, they cried out. And all of a sudden, he stopped where he was going. And instead of he would have passed him by, he stopped and went into the boat. They cried out to him. They cried out to him. When we get to that place, we need to just cry out. Cry out to God. But listen, remember this. The obvious does not obligate God. Well, he saw that they were in trouble. Yeah, but he would have passed them by. You remember the Bartimaeus story we just talked about? And we didn't read it, but it says, Jesus stopped and turned to him and he cried out and says, what do you need? Seriously? I mean, I need you to pray for my toe because I'm blind and I kicked something and broke it. I mean, that's my right. That's my, I'm blind. But the obvious does not obligate Jesus. But your cry does. When you call out to him, call unto me and I will answer thee. When you make room for him, that there I will come and dwell and live with thee. That's what obligates them. So that's what we need to keep in mind. They're in the storm. 
He would have passed them by, but somebody cried out. And it says that when he cried out, he turned and walked to the boat and got in, and it says the wind ceased. The word ceased means to no longer exist. The wind, the problem, the thing they were worried about, the thing they feared, no longer existed when they cried out and Jesus turned, stopped, and turned to them and got in the boat with them. When they cried out and made room for him in the boat, he responded and the wind ceased. Wouldn't it be something today if we made room for him or we cried out to him and depression ceased? Wouldn't it be something today if we made room for him and cried out to him and sickness ceased, cancer ceased, diabetes ceased? Wouldn't it be something if we cried out to him and made room for him and brokenness ceased, strife ceased, fear ceased? Wouldn't it be something if we cried out and made room for him? If those things just ceased. Addiction ceased. So loneliness ceased. We serve a God that can do that. We serve a God that can do that. And this can't be, this can't be another service where he just passes by. You cannot be content with just another service. You have to make room for him and cry out to him. You don't need another service. I don't need another service. You need to see him, and he needs to see you and go home with you. You can cry out for mercy. He won't pass you by. You can make room. He'll come dwell. I want to close with this passage that we started with. We can go to 2 Kings 4. We started in 9. We're going to start going back 1 and 8. I'm going to read some for you. I'm going to talk about it as we wrap this up. But listen to, listen to what is happening here in the story. 2 Kings 4, 8 says this. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. And she persuaded him, listen, she persuaded him, she pursued, persuaded him, wasn't content, let him pass, persuaded him to eat some food. So that's the beginning point for her. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Next verse says this, verse nine. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God. I mean, this is the power of God. This is the presence of God. This is the voice of God. And I'm no longer content with him just passing by continually or regularly. We need to make a room. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed there for him, a table, a chair, a lampstand. So whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that when he came, he turned in. He stopped the continual passing by, the regular passing by. He stopped, turned in, and lay down there, and he dwelt there. Verse 12 says this. Then he said to Gehazi... Listen, at this point in time, nothing's going wrong with this woman's life. There's nothing happening here that we know of. So in this time, she's taking time to not let the the man of God pass by. She's taking time to prepare a place for him. She's taking time to make a room for him, a place that he can stop then and dwell. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call a Shunammite woman. When he called to her and she stood before him, and he, said, he, and, she, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you've been concerned with, for us with all this. You've taken good care of us. You've made room. You've made a space for us. And what can I do for you? Isn't that amazing? If you will make space, make a room for God, God will ask you, what is it that you have need? You don't have to go to him and say, I need this, and will you do that? Listen, when you have a place and he comes to dwell, and he's there with you, he knows what you have need of already. But listen, he's not going to wait for you to ask in that moment, because now he's there with you. You've created that presence of God in your life. And so he says, listen, hey, what is it that you need? You want me to speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She said, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I don't have any needs. I'm good. I'm good. But listen. So he said to her, what is then to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, 
She has no son, and her husband is old. She may have given up hope on this one. She may not ask you for this, but she doesn't have a son, and her husband's old. I love this. So he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway, came into the presence of God, and then he said to her, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. Can I tell you, when you make a place, a room for God to come and dwell, the presence and power of God, he'll know things that you need or want that you won't even speak of, and he'll say things, and he'll speak into your heart and your life, and give you dreams, and give you visions about things that you think are impossible, things that you think are ridiculous, things that you think are laughable, things that you think will never happen. Why? Because you made room for him. And there's things God will tell you that you'll think there's no way that can happen. And he says, as long as you make room for me, we can do everything, all things. Can I tell you, I have visions and dreams that I think there is no way, God, that'll ever happen. But you know what? I know God is a faithful God. And I know because we've made space and we've created space here and we're creating, can I say this? We're creating space over in the children's wing. You've heard us talk about it. We'll give you an update in a few weeks. We'll wrap this up. But listen, we have now we've taken classrooms so we can specifically focus on um, age-appropriate ministry. So we split groups up. So we have a four-year-old room, a five-year-old room, a kindergarten room, a first-grade room. We have a special needs room. And can I tell you, it's not just so we can put kids in that room. We didn't make space just so kids could be there. We made space for the power and presence of God to be there, for the miraculous to be there. And I know because we made space, it'll be filled up with kids. But I know because we made space, it'll be filled up with the power of God and signs, wonders, and miracles. That's what we do. We make a room for the presence of God to dwell. And when we do that, he'll speak things in our heart and lives we never dreamed we could do. You'll hear things that you think are ridiculous, but don't discount them. Because God will speak to you in those moments. You make space, make room for him. But the woman conceived, when the, the woman conceived and bore a son, and at the point in time, and had, when Elisha had told her, next verse 18, and the child grew. Now it happened one day when he went out to his father, to the reapers, and that day and age, the, the, the young men could not go out to the harvest, which is what he's talking about, unless they were 12 years old. So we don't know how old he was, but we know he was at least 12 to be able to be out there in the harvest field. And he said to his father, my head, my head. And so he said to the servant, carrying to his mother, and isn't that just like a man? I don't feel so good. Go find your mom. I think I hurt myself. Go get your mom. Where's your mom at? Go find your mom. This is funny to me. I don't know. I don't know if it sounds funny to you. But anyways, okay. So when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then he died. Now listen to this. The dream, she never asked God for this, but God fulfilled a dream in her heart and he spoke something that she never thought would be possible and God gave her that. But then all of a sudden, it seems like that dream had died. But listen to what happens when you create space for God and he's living and dwelling in you. When she went up and laid him at the, she went up then and, and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. She went back to the place of God. She went back to God. She didn't bury him. How many times are we burying hopes and dreams because we've given up on it? It's because we've forgotten. If you make room for God, you go back to that place of God. You go to God first. So she went back to that place where she got the prophecy. She went back to that place where the presence and power of God dwelled, if you will, that relationship place even. And listen, so she didn't bury her hopes and dreams because she knew because she had been, had, had the presence of God had been dwelling there that God was big enough. He had already given her that son. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Before she did that, she had a little bit of an argument with her husband, said, I need to go see the man of God. Can you get a servant to get me a donkey? And she's like, why? What's wrong? Everything okay? What's going on? What's happened? And she's like, oh, it is well. 
No, what are you talking about? Your son just died. You went and laid him in the, in the, place, that you, the, the place that you prepared for God. Went and laid him on the bed. And so she departed, went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was the man of God, saw her from afar off. She said, he said to the servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. Why could she speak from a place of faith? Because she had created a space for God to live and dwell. And she'd seen the miraculous in her life. She'd seen the presence and power of God. So she was not moved by her circumstances. She was not moved. So she didn't bury that and say it's dead and gone. There's nothing we can do with this anymore. She refused to believe that. And she went back to God because of her relationship with God because she created space for God. And she spoke out. It wasn't denial. It was faith. And she spoke out of that. Because I have room for God. When Elisha came into the house, there was a child laying dead on his bed. He went, therefore, he went in, therefore, and shut the door behind him, the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child, and he put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. Listen to this. He stretched himself out. He stretched himself out on the child. He covered the child, and the flesh of the child became worn. Warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up, stretched out himself on the child, covered the child, mouth on mouth, eyes on eyes, hands on hands, stretched out over him, and the child sneezed seven times. You know why the child sneezed seven times? You know what that means? I was hoping you did because I have no idea. I just think that's a, it's just a weird thing in the Bible. Seven times. Okay. And so he stretched out on him and the child opened his eyes. The child came back to life. You know what that's a picture of? You know what it was when he laid his hand and he covered the child's body with his hand and he stretched out. It's a picture of the cross when Jesus stretched himself out on the cross and he covered our sickness and he covered our disease and he covered our brokenness. He stretches out when you make room. When you make room for God, he stretches out over your life. He stretches out over your family. He stretches out over your marriage. And that you might think is dead and gone, but no, if you've made space for him, he will stretch out over that and his mouth will be on your mouth so you say what he says and his eyes will be on your eyes so you see it the way he sees it and his hands will be on your hands. So it's not your hands working, it's his hands working in your hands to do what you cannot do. He's stretched out over your life. But you gotta make room. You gotta make room. Don't let him just pass you by. Don't let him let, let him pass you by and, and your brokenness and your loneliness and your hurt. Let him stretch, let him stretch out over your life and bring life again to those things that you thought were dead and gone. Don't bury him. Go back to that place that God gave him to you. Cry out to him. If nothing else, cry out to him in mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. If nothing else, climb up in the tree so he'll see you. But you gotta make room. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.